Hey everybody, this is Gene Troyer. I'm the lead pastor of Restore Church. And what a pleasure it is to welcome you to our podcast. It's my hope that you will be marked by love and encouraged in your faith and inspired to become all God has created you to be. Now I invite you to lean in and enjoy the podcast. Hey, last week, um, Jordan gave a great word. If you were here, a really fantastic word about gentleness and um, implored us to step into gentleness, to, to exercise gentleness in our lives. Exercise gentleness because gentleness is not, we've often thought about that as a weakness, but instead it is a, it is a strength. And he did a masterful job of talking to us about that last week. Well, this morning, I want us to turn to Galatians 5, as we have for all of these nine weeks. And together, um, we will read this, so join me. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. There certainly is no law against these things. And um, I hope that as we've worked through these nine weeks, that what has happened in your lives has served to transform the way that you look at your day-to-day life, that you have put these fruit, these attributes of the fruit of the Spirit, I hope that you've put them into place in your life and are living them out. Now, the subject of self-control is a, you know, um, well, let me just say, some of you are barely into parenthood. Maybe you have a cute, cuddly newborn. Yeah, that one. Um, Maybe you have, uh, maybe you're not even married yet, and you're just thinking about what it would be like to have kids. Well, if you don't have that experience, you don't quite know what it means to be self-controlled. Am I right, parents? Like, self-control is nice to talk about and nice to do until you have kids. There's this man, he, um, he observed a woman in the grocery store, and um, he happened to be walking right beside her as she and her three little, three-year-old little girl who was in her sitting in her cart as they made their way down the cookie aisle. And she heard the, he heard the little girl like, ask for cookies. Can we get cookies? And the mom said, no. And the little girl started crying. She's like, I want a cookie. And the mom just simply said, now, Ellen, it's going to be all right. We just have half of the store to go, and then, then we can go. It'll be Okay. Well, he happened to come alongside them when they were in the candy aisle. And once again, the little girl asked for candy. And the mom said, no, not today. And she started throwing this major tantrum. And the mom simply said, now, now, Ellen, listen, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Just two more aisles, and then we can go. Well, he happened up behind them in the checkout line. And... Well, the little girl saw the gum, the gum right? Just as, at, as she got into the checkout line. She saw the gum and she asked for gum and the mom once again denied her the gum, the sweetness of the gum. And the little girl went into a terrible tan- temper tantrum. And, and the mom just said, listen, Ellen, we're gonna be five minutes in the checkout line and then, then we can go home and you can have a nice nap. Well, the man was impressed. He followed them out into the parking lot as they got to their car. He was, he was 
close behind them and he, and he said, ma'am, I just, I just wanted to compliment you on the way you were so patient and kind with little Ellen. And she stopped him. The mom stopped him and said, that's Tammy. I'm Ellen. <laughs> Doesn't that how it goes sometimes? You got to talk yourself off the ledge. Self-control is a thing. Well, my granddaughter showed an immense amount of self-control as well. Check out Ophelia. Okay, you may not have them yet. Mama's gonna come right back. And when Mama comes back, you can have them, okay? Have them. But you have to wait until Mama comes back, okay? Okay. Okay, I'll be back. Be back. Mama. Did you have any to eat? Did you eat any while I was gone? Yeah. No, you didn't have any? Okay, you can have a couple. Good job waiting for me, Opie. Uh, <clears throat> this, uh, sometimes it works to distract yourself and ignore what's right in front of you. In case you're wondering, that was, had some M&Ms in it and she loves chocolate. Well, I, you guys have probably all seen this sort of experiment. Um, there's an Ivy League prof that first conducted these experiments nearly 50 years ago, and um, he noted that um, toddlers, preschoolers that exhibited this level of self-control ended up having higher SAT scores. Uh, they were thinner, they earned more advanced degrees, uh, they used less cocaine, that's good, and <laughs> And they coped better with stress. A Harvard uh, research study backs this up. It says that people with strong self-control have, have better health, better relationships, finances, and careers. They're less likely to have problems with overeating, overspending, smoking, alcohol, or drug abuse, procrastination, and unethical behavior. I read that list and I thought, dear God, how many of those have I done? A lot of them. I did not have much self-control at one point in my life. And yet, with all of these obvious benefits of being self-controlled, self-controlled in and of itself may be the epitome of the easier said than done phrase. Self-control is difficult. Self-control is being able to keep oneself in check. It's not letting our circumstances cause us to lose control. Self-control exhibits moderation and discipline. It's choosing under significant pressure to chase after, and if you're in leadership, listen up, to chase after the important instead of the urgent. To chase after the important instead of the urgent. That is sometimes difficult to know what is what, which is which. What's on fire? What do I have to go put out the fire in right now? What, what can wait? What can, what can be delegated? These are all principles of leadership that you ought to put in practice in your own home. 
What needs to be taken care of right now? What's important? What's urgent? It takes a lot of self-control to make that determination. Self-controlled people show restraint and are not impulsive. You might have heard me say this before, but sometimes I'm up here talking to you guys, and I'm having another conversation in my head. I may be saying one thing, but in my head, I'm sometimes using restraint. Sometimes I'm using self-control, and I just keep what's in my head in my head. Lucky you. Sometimes I have a hard time having these two conversations going on at the same time. Yesterday, I had uh, breakfast with a good friend, and I, uh, it was a safe space, and I was able to say a few things that I can't say here, and, uh, and it was, it was a, a good thing. It's good to be self-controlled. It's good not to always say everything you think, unless you're in a safe space where it's okay to do that. So if those are the results of being self-controlled, what happens when we are out of control? You guys know that self-controlled people don't make the news. Isn't that true? Like we're entertained by the people that are out of control. The greater the sin, the more entertainment we find in what we see. Isn't that right? Craziness abounds. Sometimes I think that it's so easy for us to look out there and see all the crazies out there. And then I remember how crazy we are within the church. Self-control is not our hallmark as of recent days. Self-control is the thing that we lose and then we really mess with the witness of Jesus in our community. Here's what happens when we're out of control. I love the way the message translation puts it. From Galatians 5, 19, 19 to 21, Eugene Peterson writes it like this. He says, it is obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. It's obvious what kind of life you get when you are not controlled, when, you're not, when you don't have self-control. You get repetitive, loveless, cheap sex, a stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage, frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness. Trinket gods, magic show pretend religion, paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, all-consuming yet never satisfied wants, a brutal temper, an impotence to love or be loved, divided homes and divided lives, small-minded and lopsided pursuits, the vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival. We've got that one in spades. Uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions, ugly parodies of community, and Paul says, I could go on. The significance of self-control cannot be overstated. So much of our witness centers on this. In the book of Genesis, if you want to turn to Genesis 39, in the book of Genesis, there's this story of Joseph, of the infamous um, coat of many colors. He was the favored son of Jacob, one of 11 brothers. And because he was favored, and because he had dreams that he told to his brothers, it probably wasn't the wisest thing to do, where they bowed down to him and they, they were serving him, 
I mean, he was about 16 or 17 years of age at this point. So it's the little brother telling the big brothers, here's, this, here's what I'm dreaming about. So they called him the dreamer. And then one day, his, uh, his dad sent him out to where his brothers were, uh, they were herding their flocks at a, in a distant land. Dad sent him out to check on him and to report back. Come on, Jacob, his dad, you know, like, you really want this to just escalate? Don't you know? I mean, that's kind of my inner dialogue when I'm reading this. So, Joseph goes out to his brothers, and they hate him so much, they decide that they're going to do away with him. Um, one of the brothers has a second thought about this and uh, says, hey, let's just put him in the cistern. And so they toss him down there. And um, eventually, some Ishmaelite traders come through, and they're on their way to Egypt. And they decide just to sell him. Let's just get rid of him. So the brothers sell Joseph. And we pick the story up in verse 1 of chapter 39. When Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. The Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. And this pleased Potiphar. So soon, he made Joseph his personal attendant. He put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned. So far, so good. The only problem was, Potiphar wasn't the only one that noticed Joseph. Joseph was very handsome and well-built, and Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Come and sleep with me, she demanded. But Je I, I should read that differently. Come and sleep with me, she demanded. But Joseph refused. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He has held back nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. She kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day, but he refused to sleep with her, and he kept out of her way as much as possible. You guys, Joseph had position, and he had power. Joseph had position, and he had power. He could have satisfied his every desire, his every temptation, but he decided in advance. Here's the key. Joseph decided in advance to be self-controlled. He decided in advance to be choosing the right path. He wanted to stay within the will of God. Some of you are thinking about this right now. What's the right path? Am I staying within the will of God? What's my responsibility with this? Joseph's right decision did not give him prestige in the moment. You know what happened? He was humiliated and put in prison. Those of you that are wondering about this, wondering about if you're doing the right thing, am I being self-controlled? Am I stepping into the will of God? Am I in the will of God? Am I living rightly? 
do the right thing. And just like Joseph, it may not be a pleasant experience. Just because we do the right thing does not mean that our life is without suffering. It does not mean that things will not go wrong. What it means is that if you live with the attributes of the fruit of the Spirit, I can guarantee you that you will have inner peace. I can guarantee you that the presence of the Holy Spirit will empower you for what is next. I can't guarantee you that suffering will not follow your life, that pain will not be part of your life. The question this morning, though, is will you do the right thing? Now, we know the rest of the story, if you're familiar with the story. Joseph continues to do the right thing, whether he's in prison or whether he's elevated to the highest position in the land. He did the right thing, and the favor of God was on him. And eventually, the position followed again. We look at Joseph's life, and Joseph's life and we say, for such a time as this, Joseph was in the land of Egypt. For such a time as this. And I wonder this morning if you realize that you are positioned for such a time as this. Do you know that you are in the place where you are for such a time as this? The idea that maybe someday I will get to be in a position of authority and power and influence. It's today, friends. Not someday. It is today. The place where you are today, in your workplace, in your family, in the community, is your day of influence, it's your day of position, it's your day of favor. You have to believe this if you're going to progress in life. If you're going to live a life that is within the will of God, we often wonder, what is the will of God for my life? I just told you. I just told you. Don't spend an inordinate amount of time wondering, wondering, wondering. Spend an inordinate amount of time doing. Step in. Exercise where you are right now. Exercise your authority, your influence. And by all means, love the people around you. You want influence? Love, love, love. Love the people around you. So how about you? You don't know the rest of your story. You don't know where life will take you. You have an idea, but we don't know. Life is not certain. So how do we live into this being self-controlled? As a follower of Jesus, being self-controlled means, and if you're taking notes, you might want to just remember, it means living consciously. It means you can't put it on cruise control and expect to get where you want to go. You got to keep your hands on the steering wheel. I know, Jesus, take the wheel, but you know what I mean. Proverbs 25, 28 says, a person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. When an ancient city had broken down walls, they were lacking in protection. They were vulnerable. Their defenses were weak. When you live without self-control, you're living with broken down walls. So live consciously. Know what the temptations are. Know what the, te- what the weaknesses are. You know temptation submits to self-control every single time? You exercise self-control, your temptations and your weakness will kneel to self-control. 
We have a confidant. We have someone who went before us. Hebrews 4 tells us that, that Jesus was tempted in every way. Jesus knows our weakness. He knows our temptation. He knows the struggle to be self-controlled. He experienced this as well. Remember when Jesus was tempted in the Gospels. All, all as Matthew, Mark, and Luke all have this story of Jesus being tempted by the devil. And Jesus' words were always coming back, coming back and saying, this is what's true. Always submitting to scripture, saying this is what's true. And the devil had to submit to the self-control that Jesus exercised. What we must know is that we are in a battle. Ephesians 6, 12 says, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood. We're not fighting against flesh and blood. For flesh and blood. We are fighting against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Listen, you may have been fighting self-control on the way in this morning. Like, I don't know what happens in your car, but I know what happened in our car when Brenda and I would go to church together. It wasn't always pleasant. And when you have kids in the back seat, it just escalates things, right? So again, exercising self-control and knowing that we're not fighting against each other. We are fighting against the realm around us, the unseen realm. Being self-controlled means, here's number two, living unselfishly. Now, if you look at the fruit of the Spirit, every single attribute, if you live into this, you won't live selfishly. But if you want to be self-controlled, you can't live selfishly. Sometimes, especially us church people, we like to keep up appearances. And so we like to look all clean and fresh on the outside. And we like to look all self-controlled. But the truth is, we got stuff boiling up inside of us. Let's just be real. The problem is, those things boiling up inside of us, well, we just need to make sure our sin finds us out. We know that what is done in the dark is exposed in the light. Keeping up appearances is simply not sustainable. If we're gonna live unselfishly, it requires discipline, it requires patience, it requires self-understanding, and it requires a willing deference to other people. Put simply, it means I don't have to get my own way all the time. Being self-controlled means, here's how we live it out. We live by living powerfully. The key to true, powerful self-control is not just renouncing the temptation of, or diverting our eyes like Ophelia did. She just renounced. Yeah, she didn't do much renouncing. She diverted her eyes. She's like, I can't look at it. I can't look at it. So you can look away, and that's a good thing. My son Cody used to, when he was watching TV and something particularly violent or sexual came on TV, he knew that we had said, don't look at that. And so he would do this. He'd divert his eyes. He had self-control when it came to those things. We can do that. We can divert our eyes. We can uh, focus on something else with less of a pull at our base human nature. That's all good. But the real power, the real power, the way we're going to live powerfully is by submitting to the work of the Holy Spirit inside of us. He is the source of sustainable self-control. 
That sustainable self-control will empower you. It will give you what you need to stand firm against the temptations that you must resist. Now in all of this, there's a lot of this conversation around self-control. We can assume that it takes a lot of effort. I gotta do, do, do. I gotta do all these things. And if I accomplish these things, then all glory to me. How good am I for being self-controlled? As a follower of Jesus, it's significant and important and absolutely essential that we focus on Jesus. He's the one that empowers us and he's the one that gets the glory for any good that we do in our lives. Living powerfully comes when we submit to fear of failure. We submit to the Holy Spirit and we take away the fear of failure. We take away the fear of shame. He's the one that receives all the props when we develop fresh fruit in our lives. Paul was really strong with Timothy on this. He said in chapter one, verse seven of 2 Timothy, Paul says, for God, in reminding, reminding Timothy, and reminding us this morning that we live with the power of God within us. This is how we live self-controlled. This is how we say no to the things that we do not want to follow and yes to the things that God calls us to. God has not given us a spirit of fear. He's not given us a spirit of timidity, but he's given us a spirit of power, of love, and self-control. You guys, we can do this. We don't need to be turned by every wind and whim. I love this passage, and let me just speak this over you this morning. And you can stand with me as I read this. Receive this word from Romans 8. Romans 8, verse 9. But you, speaking to the church in Rome, but he's speaking to you and I this morning. These powerful words, but you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. And Christ lives within you. He's making statements of of the people of the Jesus way, saying the Spirit of Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by this same Spirit living within you. Amen. Living powerfully is dependent on our understanding of the verse that we have been reading for nine weeks, Galatians 5.22, the first five words. But the Holy Spirit produces. It all comes back to this. We have a lot of responsibility. But the gift of the Holy Spirit within us produces love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against those things, there is no law. Here's my hope. 
My hope is that we are not the same as we were nine weeks ago. That we are people that exercise the attributes of the Holy, of the, of the Spirit, the, the attributes of, of the Spirit within us. These are the attributes that Christ gives us. It's a free gift. It's a free gift. All we have to say is, pick me. I want some of that. I want more love. I want more joy. I want more peace, more patience, more kindness. You know, we really believe here that it begins with each and every one of us. It's really easy to say yes to something. It's really hard to follow through with it. It's really easy to say, yeah, that's what I want too. And then we get caught up in this moment where we're forced to either recognize our own frailty and submit once again and say, Holy Spirit, empower me for this moment. Or we just go do what we've always done. So I want to give you, as we close this series, I, I want to just make sure that I say to each one of you, if there's anybody in the room this morning that has not made a decision for Jesus, that has not said, yep, I want more of that, that we give time for that this morning. Because I know of no way forward where we actually have a sustainable experience of life and life abundantly without this piece of the puzzle. So Holy Spirit, I'm just pray over you guys. Holy Spirit, in this moment, you know every connection point. You know every heart, soul, mind that's in this space. Where there's a void, Father, I pray this morning. I believe that you're making that people aware of that, even now. The void that exists in their lives. The void that is actually there because you aren't. The Holy Spirit sometimes speaks loudly and other times he speaks very, very, very softly. requires us to lean in and listen well. So, for anyone in the room that has not made a decision for Jesus, it's not as complicated process. It's simply saying, I want more of that. And so if you pray with me and simply say, Jesus, I give you my life. Jesus, I give you my life. I'm responding right now. I know that I have that deep, dark vacuum in my life. Jesus, I'm gonna give you my life. I choose to live with the attributes of the fruit of the Spirit evident in my life, and I give you my life. 
You guys will have many other conversations. This is the start. Jesus, I give you my life. If you're making that confession this morning, would you just raise your hand so I can pray for you? Just raise your hand so that I can pray for you this morning. Father, in the name of Jesus, you see the hands that are up and I am grateful for the work that you're doing in this place this morning. Father, I give you, I give you praise, we give you honor, we give you glory for the work that you will do in the lives of these people. Would you protect them? Would you guard their hearts, their minds, their souls? And would your attributes, the fruit of the spirit, the spiritual attributes that, that are the hallmark of your people, would they come alive inside of them? And as we together become and grow into a more vibrant community of followers of Jesus, God, we thank you for the blessing it is to be your people. Equip us for the days ahead. Guard our hearts, our minds, our souls. Use us for your glory. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. Please rate and review us on Spotify and iTunes and join us again for next week's podcast. We love you and pray blessing and peace over you and your family. <laughs>